Crested in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. from the studios of Ave Maria Radio in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Al Cresta is ready for conversations of consequence. This is Cresta in the Afternoon. And good afternoon to you. I'm Al Cresta. I'm glad you're with me because uh, we're going to spend some great time this afternoon talking about the things that matter most. I'll be joined in the second hour by Noelle Maring. She is the author of Awake, Not Woke, a Christian response to the cult of progressive ideology. Noel's in town here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, for a lecture she'll be giving tonight at Father Gabriel Richard High School. It'll be 7.30 uh, to 9. And uh, red, it's free. Uh, you can, it's free, but I'd like you to register at renewalministries.net slash Noel. But that's coming up tonight. So she's going to come in here uh, in the second hour of the program, just talk a little bit about uh, the material she'll be presenting tonight at Father Gabriel Richard High School. Also, excuse me, it's tomorrow night. <laughs> I, I, we're getting together tonight to uh, actually have dinner. But tomorrow night. Uh, Noel will be with us at Father Gabriel Richard High School, so forgive me. Um, also coming up today, Jennifer Lal, who's president of the Center for Bioethics and Culture, asked the question, who owns the human body? Now, you would think this is a fairly easy thing to answer, but what do you do with questions uh, questions surrounding brain death? There are There's a professor from University of Oslo who published an article last year proposing what is called whole-body gestational donation. The claim is that a woman who has been declared brain-dead might be used as a whole-body surrogate for gestating babies. And if you think that is appalling, uh, you're not alone. Jennifer will go over some of the problems with of human dignity that are violated. So that's coming up. Also, Lewis Brown, Executive Director of the Christ Medicus Foundation, We'll talk about what's, how, developing, how they're developing the Heart of Christ Clinic and uh, how about sharing Jesus with pregnant women in need. Uh, Lewis has uh, taken on this work. Uh, of course, the issues surrounding the needs of pregnant women have uh, certainly uh, increased since the Dobbs decision, so we're going to be talking to him about uh, the pro-life movement after Dobbs. And then we're also going to be joined by Deal Hudson today in the first segment, taking a look at this weekend's Conservative Political Action Conference, uh, which wrapped up with an address from Donald Trump and straw polls. We'll be talking to Deal about it. How was the attendance? What was the spirit like there? But first, let's get the headlines. Thanks, Al. Good afternoon, everyone. This is your Ave Maria Radio News for Monday, March 6th. It's the Feast of St. Colette of Corby. Today's news brought to you by Ave Maria University. Your vocation location is at AveMaria.edu. Pope Francis says human traffickers destroy the lives of innocent people and want them stopped. The Pope was speaking about last Sunday's boat tragedy off the coast of Italy that claimed at least 70 lives. The rickety and undersized boat was carrying 170 passengers from Turkey. The Pope said during his Angelus prayer, quote, May these voyages of hope never again turn into voyages of death. A diocesan official in Nigeria says that dozens of people were murdered in post-election attacks. The priest who directs the Justice and Peace Commission for the Diocese of McCurdy 
says that Fulani militants were responsible for the attacks. International observers are linking the attacks to the outcomes of the recently announced presidential results of Nigeria's general elections, in which an all-Muslim presidential ticket was declared the winner. One person is dead following a stampede at a concert in Rochester, New York. Two others have life-threatening injuries after what happened Sunday night at the Main Street Armory. Authorities believe the injuries were the result of a large crowd pushing towards the exit when they heard what they thought were gunshots. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell will be in the hot seat on Capitol Hill as he testifies before separate House and Senate panels this week. He's expected to face tough questioning about the success of the Fed's continued interest rate hikes in fighting inflation. Norfolk Southern is rolling out new safety measures following its third train derailment in just over a month. According to an internal email, the company plans to reduce train length, among other steps. The move came just 11 hours after a 28-car train jumped the track Saturday in Springfield, Ohio. From your AviMariaRadio.net news desk, I'm Steve Clark. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. The annual Conservative Political Action Conference wrapped up in Maryland uh, this Saturday with an address from uh, former President Trump. Straw polls were taken there. And uh, I'm glad to say that our friend Deal Hudson was on hand. Deal is president of the Morley Institute for Church and Culture and the former editor of Crisis Magazine and InsideCatholic.com. He directed Catholic outreach for four presidential elections. His articles have appeared in many publications, including the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, New York Times, Newsweek. He's appeared on several news programs over the years, including NBC Nightly News and BBC World News. He's the author of several books, including The Desecrators, Defeating the Cancel Culture Mob, and Reclaiming One Nation Under God, and How to Keep from Losing Your Mind, Educating Yourself Classically to Resist Cultural Indoctrination. You can hear Deal weekly on Ave Maria Radio's program, Church and Culture, Saturdays at 3 in the afternoon and Sundays 7 in the morning. Deal, good to have you here. Thanks. Al, great to hear your voice. Well, let's talk about the weekend's conference. Uh, I'll just look over some of the, the mainstream press reporting on it. Headline from NPR is, despite Republicans cooling on him, CPAC is still the Trump show. Um, the other one from this from Rolling Stone, CPAC 2023 is low energy. Uh, you were there. What would you see? Yeah. High energy. The numbers were overall lower. Okay. I would say I would say 25% lower. Mm-hmm. But the energy was still the same, and uh, this was the fifth CPAC in a row where I've spoken. So I have a little bit of history and yeah. experience. No, that's right. And uh, Matt and Mercy Slap were met with tremendous affection and, and approval and support. Are they the founders and, uh, of CPAC? I know that they... You know, no, he's not, actually. Yeah, okay. Over CPAC, it was kind of sleepy until he supercharged it. Okay. And uh, as you know, the straw poll came in 60% for Trump, 20% for Governor DeSantis. And I met a lot of people there that uh, think Trump's still the guy, and they don't want to hear about blowing him off for, for the sake of DeSantis, although... They all like DeSantis. Yeah. I think his time will come. Mm-hmm. But 
the mainstream media, you know, has already decided that Trump can't be the nominee. Mm -hmm. And they've already decided that they're going to do all they can to quash any sense in, in, in the public arena that Trump still has a chance to be nominated. And I'll tell you what, the grassroots, the grassroots aren't listening to the media. They are not reading it. They're not listening to it. They're not watching it. I mean, if you look at what, what is it that CNN gets every night, 400,000 viewers, get that? I mean, that's nothing. No, not in a, not in a country this size. Sure. Four million voters in 2000. And, and, uh, 2000. and uh, 2020. And by the way, if I went back and looked at the voting results in 2020 for Trump, he got over 60% of everybody over the age of 45, and they constitute 53% of the entire vote. Hmm. Interesting. And that older generation is growing. Yeah, the boomers are getting older. He also got 50% of the self-identified Catholic vote and 59% of church-going Catholics, of Massachusetts Catholics. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What did he get, about so, 80% uh, of evangelical Protestant vote? 78%. They're always right yeah. up there in the high seventies. Yeah, that's what I thought. You know? yeah. But what's interesting, too, is that Catholics and evangelicals each represent 12% of the voting public which means that together they represent 24%. So the real opportunity in terms of grassroots or, or, organizing and getting out the vote is uniting what Ralph Reed and I did in both Bush elections, mm -hmm. uniting Catholic and evangelical outreach effectively. Has that coalition uh, weakened at all? Oh, it hasn't weakened in terms of, of relationships, but it, it certainly has weakened in terms of uh, individuals reaching out to each other, like Ralph immediately reached out to me when I was named head of Catholic outreach for that camp, for the uh, 2000 campaign, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and said we got to do this together. And I really, I really owe it to his vision of how Catholics and evangelicals should work together because we share so many issues of, princ of principal issues across the yeah, board. Yeah, very true. Very true. Yeah, and that was uh, th that had a lot to do with uh, Bush being able to take eventually take the two thousand vote. Well, Carl Rowe stood in front of a of a major party at inauguration night and introduced me as the man who was responsible for the victory, which of course was hyperbole. <laughs> but I'll never but remember, and I'll never stop talking about it. I was just gonna say but, but you you don't mind telling that story and I don't oh. mind hearing it. So Okay, thank you. <laughs> Okay, um, the, so the former President Trump's speech was was well received. All the reports indicate, yeah, and it was a little it was a little different. Uh, Why? It was very well received. It was it was somehow more personal, less uh, aggravating. You might say it had it, fewer barbs. Oh, okay, uh, it, okay. It was it was as if he's he's listening to some of his friends who are telling him. Stop pushing people away mm -hmm. with your with your attacks and yeah. rhetoric and so forth. Well, well, that'll uh, be interesting. People really got upset when he went after DeSantis, and that message got through to him loud and clear. Okay, okay. Talk to me about uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who spoke, and and businessman uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Did they get much of a response? Well, uh, they got a respectful 
response. Okay. I'm a big fan of Nikki Haley. I mean, I could see her being either the nominee herself uh-huh. or a terrific vice presidential nominee. Sure. Uh, I think a DeSantis uh, ticket with her, with Haley, or a Trump ticket with Haley, although she's kind of burned some bridges there with him. Right. Uh, I think they they are both winning tickets, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So respectful, um, but not quite ready to be leaders. That the impression no, I'm getting. No, if Santos had been there, we would have gotten a real uh, sense of what's going on at the grassroots. Okay. And I'm quite sure. I mean, I've heard the Santos speak at CPAC several times. He always gets a roaring response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of almost a Trump-like response. Okay. And he was at the Club for Growth meeting in Miami during the period tell, tell people, he would have been there. Yeah, tell people what that the Club for Growth is about. Club for Growth is an organization of, of big-pocket businessmen and women who decide on who will be the best for the economy. Because Club for Growth is about economic growth. Mm-hmm. And so DeSantis was there because he doesn't have the fundraising tentacles out the way Trump has and has demonstrated that he has. And so he had to be at the place where he could shake hands with donors and swap cards. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, Vivek Ramaswamy? I think that's just one of those moments where a, a, a guy moves into a slot Makes he comes off as very polished and very visionary, but nobody sees it. nobody's taking that seriously. Yeah. So okay, all right. So he's uh, just making an appearance. Uh, look, talk about him again in four years, eight years. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and you know history makes a lot of these decisions for us. Yeah, Al, as you know. Yep. You know, people start saying, "Well, this, you know, this is the way it's going to be, and that's the way it's going to be." But, you know, you don't know who's going to get hit by a bus. You know, mm-hmm. you don't know who's going to be caught in a scandal. Right. Uh, you don't you don't know what kind of people will start firing guns and who. Right. Uh, and in the climate we're in, to be to be predicting this or that outcome in 2024 yeah. is is frankly just kind of stupid. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. That's what, one of the things you learn. Tendency. You've been around a while. You you realize how many things you've been wrong on, and uh, and how many things you could not account for before they happened. I remember taking you to to hear Trump in New York City. Yeah, yeah. and you telling me you weren't impressed. No, <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I, what I was, I think I told you this. The only thing I was, I was truly impressed by. First of all, he's a he's an imposing figure, so that's that goes without mm-hmm. saying. Well, the one thing that uh, I said at that time is, I said, you know, he's he doesn't know issues, he made real blunders on the life issue. But the one thing that did impress me is that uh, when he began talking about the Supreme Court. And he referred to lists that he had from the Heritage Foundation and from the Federalist Society. And, right. that, and that showed me that he knows what he doesn't know. And that, that no, makes yours, a big yours difference. Was not a, yours was not a complete dismissal. No. But no. You, you were de- deeply suspicious. And, but frankly, I was too. But I'm looking at two choices. Yeah. Hillary Clinton yeah. or this guy well, that's with what it, the orange hair. Yes, that's absolutely you know? right. Yeah, you, and you, believe me, I'd rather have 
his his foibles sitting in the White House than Hillary's yeah. any day. And, you know, I think the, the big question is what are the Democrats going to do? They they want all they want to get rid of Biden. They want to get rid of Harris. But who's going to be able to stand step up and do that? Push these people out of the way. Yeah. You know, they may, may end up with a guy that can't even uh, comb his hair in the morning running for president. That's right. Yeah, you never. Your candidates are never those that you uh, fantasize over, or very rarely. Uh, you have always choices, and uh, Democrats have basically for anybody who's a pro-life voter, the Democrats have basically removed themselves from consideration. So they're they're, at, they're completely off the chart. Yeah, Deal. Thanks. Good talking with you. Thank you, Al. <laughs> bye bye. Deal Hudson. Crested in the Afternoon is underwritten by the following nonprofit organization, Real Estate for Life. Buying or selling your home or business property? Real Estate for Life can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. When Real Estate for Life receives a referral fee, they donate 75% to Ave Maria Radio and Human Life International. More information at realestateforlife.org or 877-LIFE-US1. That's realestateforlife.org. In Morse code, the sequence SOS is a distress call when someone's in trouble. It's been said that SOS stands for Save Our Souls. Well, right now, the world is in deep trouble, and we're putting out an SOS call for help. Will you answer the call? St. Paul Evangelization has hundreds of teams of evangelists that go out and share the good news with souls that are in danger of being lost. Visit StreetEvangelization.com and find a team near you so you can answer that distress call. It's time for Family Man with Dr. Gregory Popcha. Most parents would like to raise generous kids, but where do you start? Well, authentic generosity doesn't start with serving strangers. It starts with looking for little ways families can make each other's lives easier at home. Start a new habit in your family. Make it a rule that everyone should look for one way to leave a room better than they found it. It doesn't matter who left the coat off the hook or who left the toy on the floor. If you see it, deal with it. The important point is, good teams don't bicker about whose job something is, because everybody on the team is just committed to giving their all to get the job done. Practicing generous service at home is one of the most important things Catholic families can do. To discover more ways your family can celebrate the liturgy of domestic church life, check out the newest editions of Parenting with Grace and visit CatholicCounselors.com. I'm Dr. Greg Popchak, but you can call me Family Man. To discover more ways faith can enrich your life, visit CatholicCounselors.com. Man failed the first test of freedom. He refused God's plan of love and chose freely to sin and made himself a slave to sin. That first sin gave mankind the gene or inclination to sin, which has given birth to numerous other sins. The Catholic Catechism reminds us that the exercise of freedom does not imply a right to say or do everything. Man is not totally self-sufficient, and his final goal is not his own self-interest and the enjoyment of earthly goals. When man violates the moral law, he becomes his own prisoner, disrupting neighborly fellowships while rebelling against divine truth. For freedom, Galatians tells us, Christ has set us free. He redeemed us from sin, which held man in bondage. 
This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Maring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noelle will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net. At Glass Doctor, our trained specialists are experts at fixing foggy and cracked glass, leaving any residential window looking like new without replacing the entire window. Bring back the view of any window with Glass Doctor. Visit glassdoctor.com to request a free estimate on repairing your foggy or cracked windows. Let Glass Doctor bring back your view. Call the Glass Doctor, we'll fix your paint. Oh, yeah! Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Joining me is Louis Brown. Louis serves as the executive director of the Christ Medicus Foundation, a Catholic healthcare nonprofit whose mission is to share the healing love of Christ in healthcare by defending medical conscience rights and religious freedom, helping to expand access to Christ centered medical care, and providing a Catholic healthcare community that cares for the medical needs and whole health of individuals and families. Lewis received his uh, Juris Doctorate from Howard University School of Law in Washington, D.C., and he's worked as an attorney in private practice, as an associate director of social concerns for a state Catholic conference. He's worked on Capitol Hill as a congressman's legislative counsel and liaison to the U.S. House Committee on the Judiciary, and as a political appointee at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Lewis, good to have you back here. Thanks. Always great to be with you, sir. Talk to me about this project, the Heart of Christ Clinic. Uh, I know you're involved in many things, but I'm curious to hear how this is developing. Sure, yeah. It, it, we're, very, uh, we're very passionate about the Heart of Christ Clinic. The Heart of Christ Clinic is uh, a collaboration uh, to provide Christ-centered medical care to pregnant mothers, children, and families uh, in Southeast Michigan. It's a collaboration between the Christ, the Christ Medicus Foundation uh, and various other pro-life and Catholic organizations, health entities in Southeast Michigan mm-hmm. to provide more medical care to pregnant mothers, uh, to their unborn and then born children, uh, and to families so that people may not only have care but encounter Christ uh, in their medical care uh, and receive the healing that they need, not just to uh, save uh, pregnant mothers and their children, but also uh, to heal uh, them, to be instruments of healing for them in their physical health and their mental and emotional health, uh, and ultimately in their spiritual health as well. So it sounds as though this goes beyond uh, pregnancy, just pre- pregnancy assistance. Right. We're talking about pre- uh, primary medical care yeah. uh, for pregnant moms, four children, four families, uh, and our vision uh, and what we're working to launch uh, is a medical clinic uh, that provides some of the best care that 
a family can get in Southeast Michigan, so much so that uh, you might have a uh, struggling pregnant mother and her family going to Heart of Christ Clinic for care, but you also have someone uh, of, of means that can go anywhere for their care coming to Heart of Christ Clinic uh, because the care is so great, the hospitality is so great, the encounter with Christ is so wonderful uh, that families are uh, coming here for your care on an ongoing basis, uh, creating another center of evangelization uh, for the Catholic community and for non-Catholics uh, in Detroit, but centered in Christ. Yeah. So this will be a stand-up facility, is that right? Yes, a, a brick-and-mortar yeah. uh, uh, to, to be uh, in our planning to be located uh, near the Basilica of St. Anne's in Detroit. Okay, very nice. Um, I'm just curious, have you put money on any property yet, or have you had yeah, a donation? No, this is, I mean, this is, you know... This is in motion. I, I, I yeah. want to, um, you know, I, I, we're, we're exercising some level of discretion, but sure. uh, this is very much in motion. Uh, you know, we've been, we've talked about this at various uh, public venues, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, a collaboration of a lot of uh, the Catholic and pro-life community in Southeast Michigan coming together to say that even as we um, fight for legislation that's pro-life at the federal level, even as we beat back all of the political and cultural ramifications of Proposal 3 uh, in Michigan that's devastating, we have to provide more care. Um, and as much as it's important to provide resources for pregnancy, and that's vital, uh, a, a necessary continuation uh, of that care we provide is actual physical medical care uh, to pregnant moms and to children and families. Mm-hmm. Very good. Let me uh, switch gears just a little bit here and talk to you about uh, the amicus brief that you've uh, filed uh, along with the Susan B. Anthony list uh, in support of a preliminary injunction against the abortion drug Mifepristone. Right, yeah, that's that's very important. Um, we were blessed to join the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance and several other pro-life groups to file an amicus brief. What happens? What happened is is this out? An important new organization, the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine, filed a suit uh, in in federal court in Texas uh, against the FDA, saying that the drug mifepristone never should have been and should not should no longer uh, be uh, approved. Uh, What we said as Amike, along with several different organizations. Uh, through the work of some wonderful lawyers that filed the brief on the behalf of the Christ Medicus Foundation, the Catholic Healthcare Leadership Alliance, and others, uh, is that uh, the history uh, and the reality of mifepristone, which is a drug that can be used uh, to per- to uh, cause an abortion uh, uh, through uh, the means of of, a, of ingesting a drug, that this never should have been approved. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a federal law that has creates certain requirements um, that FDA must meet in order to approve a uh, drug of this nature. Uh, that those requirements weren't met here, uh, and so we believe that FDA's approval of this mifepristone drug uh, violates existing federal law. But furthermore, what our amicus brief said is that the reality uh, with this drug is that informed consent isn't really possible that this drug is failing uh, women, that the approval of this drug fails women, 
Uh, and of course, it fails uh, their unborn children, but it, it fails women because we are not being honest with the American people, with pregnant mothers, about the reality of mifepristone. Uh, it's a horrible history. We're failing women. The drugs should never have been put on the market. And then what we're seeing, particularly under the Biden administration, is an increasing rollback of all of the safety measures uh, that were should have been placed around mifepristone such that women could understand what they're getting themselves into uh, by taking uh, this drug. So that's an important thing. Mifepristone should never have been on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, it violates federal law that it was approved. Uh, and we should be uh, honest uh, about health and safety. If we really care about women, if we really care about the health and safety of women, mm-hmm. mifepristone should never been approved uh, to be on the market in the United States. Those, those who uh, favor abortion, even champion abortion, are anxious to have approval because once uh, this becomes, it's already provided uh, maybe 40, 50 percent of abortions. Once this becomes fully accepted, though, in their mind, the abortion uh, battle is over. Once it becomes so convenient that you can just walk down to your local uh, pharmacy and get these drugs, in their mind, they've won. It's over with. Right, and I, I, I think, and, and, and we're, we're contesting that. I mean, right. we believe, right. again, that the FDA illegally approved uh, mifepristone for use as uh, an abortion drug uh, and that the FDA is failing to enforce mm-hmm. the safeguards necessary to ensure uh, in informed consent. Uh, what we say in the amicus brief is that there's no way that informed consent can be achieved because, uh, in part because uh, the Biden administration has permitted this drug to be shipped uh, by pharmacies uh, so that uh, uh, pregnant mothers uh, aren't even uh, required to see a medical professional before mm-hmm. having access to this drug. Uh, that means that um, in many cases, uh, pregnant mothers are taking this drug without even knowing the reality behind mifepristone. It also means that, in, in, uh, sadly and tragically, most likely in some cases, women are receiving this drug who may be coerced, uh, who may be manipulated or worse. Uh, this is very bad. This is not who we are as Americans. When the FDA puts its name on a drug uh, in the United States, we believe that it means that it's safe. And if you look at the awful ramifications um, from a medical basis of what mifepristone is doing, that's not consistent with what we've been telling the American people. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know uh, when do you think this will be re- resolved or when it will be decided? Right. It really could be decided based on what we're hearing and, uh, you know, and the, and the pro-life uh, legal community, the advocacy community, really any day. Okay. Uh, and so it's something to pray about. It's something to be aware of. Uh, of course, you know, Al, we both believe is, is uh, people that believe in ethics mm-hmm. uh, and people that believe in the chemical, uh, scientific, biological reality of life beginning at conception. Uh, we believe that abortion uh, is unthinkable, that abortion is never necessary, that it should have no place in American society. But even if one tragically believes that abortion should be legal, uh, this pulls back the veil on the lie that abortion is about the dignity of women. There is this approval of mifepristone, the abortion industry's support of this drug, 
shows that there is zero uh, compassion uh, for pregnant mothers within the abortion industry. It's all about the dehumanization and the objectification of pregnant mothers and their unborn children to make a profit. Uh, this case clearly shows that, that reality, uh, and it's tragic, and we need to speak out about it. It's the... Um you also, I, I saw you released a statement in response to the State of the Union message. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about what the president said there that uh, required you to respond? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, um, as we pointed, this is, you know, as we all know, this was the first State of the Union, State of the Union a couple of weeks ago um, that has occurred uh, in a world where um, the Supreme Court has recognized that the Constitution uh, does not provide a constitutional right to an abortion. Right. This is the first State of the Union that we had a few weeks ago uh, in which Roe v. Wade is not the law of the land. The law of the land with regard to the abortion question under the Constitution is the Dobbs decision. And, you know, it's vital that we as Catholics pray for the president, support him where he's right, um, speak out where he's wrong, the same with Congress. And abortion just isn't healthcare. Um, he articulates this as an issue of justice, but in reality, uh, abortion is an injustice. At a minimum, what we hope that we see from this administration uh, and at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, we hope that we see a protection of religious freedom and protection of medical conscience so that people of faith, uh, people of ethics that are in the medical profession can practice uh, the principle of doing no harm. Yeah. Lewis, thanks so much. How do people stay in touch with you and follow the work that you're up to? CMFCuro.com. CMFCuro.com. Thanks, Lewis. We'll talk Thank again. Thank you so much. Good to be with you. Lewis Brown, again, CMFCuro.com. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Popchak. And I'm Lisa Popchak. Want a better family life this Lent? Join the Catholic Home 40 Days for Families Challenge. Lent calls us to do more to share God's love with others. The best place to start doing that is in our families. Go to CatholicHOM.com to download the premium version of the Catholic Home app. Use the promo code AVE for 50% off the first month. Discover how God wants to transform your family life this Lent with the 40 Days for Families Challenge at CatholicHOM.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, weekdays on Ave Maria Radio. The AP is now saying that news people cannot refer to pregnancy resource centers as pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers. They have to refer to them as anti-abortion centers because we're misleading the public by saying that they're offering resources, apparently. It is about consistently putting forth a culture of death, do anything you want sexually, being extremely woke every time you turn around. This is more proof that all they care about is their own agenda. And they're doing this to their own demise. If you look at the ratings, for example, of CNN, if you look at the subscription rates, right, of various newspapers, whether it's online or still hard copy in, in print, continuing to decrease. 
and yet they do not care because it's about the agenda. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, weekday mornings from 8 to 10 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio and AveMariaRadio.net. And now, a meditation minute from Father Gabriel Richard High School. I'm Dominic, a senior, with a reflection on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. How many of us want to be rich? How many of us want to be able to live without worry of the future or how we will support ourselves? Can we really say that these are bad things to desire? Jesus warns us against covetousness, which is really idolatry, with the parable of the rich fool. We live in a time when the idealized approach to life is to ensure prosperity, to free ourselves for other things. Financial responsibility is important, St. Paul says so to the Romans, but we cannot let money become an end in itself. This is what Jesus warns us against. Life is unpredictable, and nothing we can do can prepare us for every possibility. If that becomes our goal, what happens to faith? No matter what we do, we must be rich in what matters to God. This Meditation Minute is brought to you by the students, faculty, and staff of Father Gabriel Richard High School. In the last Ave Maria Radio Poll of the Week, we wanted to know what you're doing for Lent this year. About a third of you are adding additional prayer time, rosary, or something like that. And about 20% are giving up something like candy or another treat. 10% of you are adding Mass every day, and the rest of you are doing one of those things or maybe something else. Thanks to everybody who voted in the poll of the week. Be sure to check out our new poll at AveMariaRadio.net. Resetting your password. Unsubscribing from emails. Printing anything. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with an auto owner's insurance independent agent, getting the right coverage for your business doesn't have to be one of them. So you can get back to more important things, like learning how that printer works. That's simple human sense. Call Choice Insurance Agency at 734-641-4200. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. It was late last year when a professor from the University of Oslo published an article proposing, quote, whole-body gestational donation, end quote. This means that women who have been declared brain-dead could be used as whole-body surrogates for gestating babies. And the article went on to say, look, there's no significant ethical difference between keeping a brain-dead person alive so we can, uh, you know, take their organs, and they can donate their organs, and keeping a woman alive, quote, brain-dead woman alive, in order to utilize her uterus uh, to continue gestating a baby. Uh, I mean, when you hear this, you say to yourself, is this happening? I mean, is this a think piece? Is this just an ethical, um, you know, puzzle? Uh, But my guest... Jennifer Lal is the founder and president of the Center for Bioethics and Culture Network. She's taking a very serious look at it. She couples her 25 years of experience as a pediatric critical care nurse, hospital administrator, and senior level nursing manager with a deep passion to speak for those who have no voice. She's produced the film Lines That Divide, The Great Stem Cell Debate, and The Anonymous Father's Day, 
and other films as well. You can follow her work at cbc-network.org. And Jennifer, good to have you here. Thanks. Great. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Uh, your piece in First Things, I think it's dated February 28th of this year, uh, talk to me about its origin. How, when did you first become aware that such things are being uh, proposed? Well, I, I actually was tipped off on this uh, journal article where the woman who proposes this ghastly um, you know, idea, it's not happening yet, but it is sort of her thought piece experiment. Uh-huh. Um, and I've been working for probably the last 15 years to oppose surrogacy full stop in any shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an ex-nurse, I was mortified to hear that she was proposing that women who have been um, diagnosed with brain death, you know, could could legally um, consent to, just like you could donate your organs in, you know, the uterus, the womb is an organ. Yeah. She was proposing that in that informed consent of choosing to be an organ donor, why not use, you know, these brain-dead women um, to gestate babies for people before we allow them to go on to their natural death? Yeah. I, th- I think at first glance, most people would think, there's something really wrong with this idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just a kind of a, a gut level, even aesthetic idea. There's something that doesn't sound right or feel right about it. Uh, walk it through for me, though. What is she yeah, claiming? Well, it, it conjures up kind of, you know, really sci-fi kind of movies. Yeah. I mean, in the, in the typical fashion, I worked in hospital nursing for 20 years. You know, a person who's, um, you know, just, just been diagnosed with irreversible brain death and has made the decision to be an organ donor, you know, they're kept alive maybe a, a few hours, maybe a few days till family can come and say their goodbyes. Um, but this notion where you would, you know, literally perhaps keep a woman on life support for nine months. Yeah. Um, who, you know, is being, I, I would say, you know, not being treated in a dignified way right. that we, you know, we treat the dying. Um, nobody's in this whole article of this woman, she's never once mentioned any kind of impact that this is on a child who's growing in the womb. When you think of a woman who's pregnant, you know, mothers, they sing to their babies, they rock their babies, they talk to their babies in the womb, they bond. Yeah. This is a woman who literally 24-7 is going to be surrounded by intensive care, you know, the noises of an ICU, doctors and nurses turning her and, and positioning her infections that you get when you're on long-term life support. Mm. I mean, no consideration that this child is being gestated in literally a dead woman. And is this child going to grow up and think that this was an okay <laughs> use of this woman's body instrumentally? Yeah. Um, so there's just so many, you know, things to um, to push back on and to be repulsed by it with this yeah. kind of a, a, a view. Yeah. Uh, what kind of response did her article get uh, in the, I'm sure others responded to it. I would hope others responded to it. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, our conscience hasn't been so seared that people, you know, resoundingly were disgusted by this idea. Um, You know, but, you know, as things go, when something becomes normalized, people become more, you know, well, okay, she is just dead anyway. Um, So, you know, that's why the work that we do, I think, is so important, is kind of always raising the, the, the temperature um, that this is exploitative to the woman's body, this is exploitative to the child, it's undignified. Um, you know, we people deserve better. This is not proper medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's still questions surrounding uh, determination of brain death, too, isn't there? 
Yeah, it's not, you know, when I say in the article, it's not a settled diagnosis. I mean, there was an earlier proposition in about 2000 where somebody put forth that we would use women in persistent vegetative state, um, which, you know, we have, you know, evidence that people can actually recover from that. Mm-hmm. And I think this particular woman thought, oh, well, let's just go with brain dead women because, you know, they won't recover and they are, they are, you know, legally you know, all intents and purposes dead. But, you know, I worked in, again, in critical care settings, and it's it's not as clear-cut as, yes, this is a dead person. But still, the point is we should not be (laughs) using this person, and, you know, the ends don't justify the means. Well, that I asked the question then, I mean, whose jurisdiction is it to make a decision like this? Well, I, you know, this is, you know, the United States where, you know, we're very independent and free market people. So whether this would be um, the purview of the, you know, the United Network of Organ Sharing, which is the, the body that sort of regulates all organ donation and donors and recipients and tracks and monitors um, and, and maintains the sort of the allocation. How do we give precious resources? We don't have enough organs, obviously, for the people that are on waiting lists. So whether this would be something, if it got implemented, heaven forbid, um, would it fall into the, the purview of just regular old organ donation policy right. that we have established in yeah. the United States? Yeah, I, I mean, I think most people would, would feel as though this is something more than just organ donation, though. There's a sense that you're, in a sense, you've got a, while the brain is dead, you've got the donation of a living system here, uh, not just the uterus. It's a living system. So. Well, it just begs the question of, you know, the, when, where does this end then? If you can keep people alive for this many months yeah. to gestate a baby, you know, why couldn't we keep people alive for months and months and months so we could do, you know, new drug testing on them? Right. You know, new experimentation of surgical procedures or implants. You know, all the things that we do in normal kind of clinical trials where we use human subjects, you know, people that consent to be part of, you know, experimentation. Um, you know, with this, you know, just sort of open the floodgates to, well, if we can use the body for this, why can't we use it for that? Right, right. And uh, you, you point out that she never once mentioned, and you said this a little bit earlier in the interview too, but you, that she never mentions the rights of babies who would be born through this whole body gestational donation. So she's very laser focused on, uh, one thing's here. Uh, what does this mean for the child? Yeah, and it's because in, you know, she sort of opens her, you know, her proposal, if you will, um, by saying, well, this is fix all the ethical problems around surrogacy. So it was great, one, that she granted that there's ethical problems of surrogacy, yeah. <laughs> okay. you know, yeah. hiring women to be surrogates. Mm-hmm. So her solution is, well, let's just use dead women. But again, there's no concept at all, and we know that maternal child bonding begins in utero and in a normal hospital settings where mom is sick or baby's sick or, um, you know, women who are still pregnant have to be hospitalized. We're very mindful of the fact that, you know, maternal child bonding is good, important, necessary, and we encourage it. And here, um, you know, and, and I also have to think, well, who are the people that want a baby so desperately that they will um, violate the dignity of this you know, dying woman mm-hmm. and use her in such a cold fashion to gestate a baby. I mean, I mean, we know that we're a, a blank away from artificial wombs, and that's concerning enough, you know, raising and gestating babies, you know, human babies in artificial wombs. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to take it to sort of a more grueling level, 
um, you know, on one hand, the artificial womb is kind of sterile and high tech, but it's, you know, it's just something a little unsettling about, uh, you know, a woman who should be allowed to die, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and being, you know, kept on life support for months in order to gestate a baby. I wonder if feminist concerns would play into this, right? I mean, this would be, in this way, kind of the ultimate in commodifying a woman's body. Yeah, I think, you know, because I work with lots of feminists who, who have joined me on my campaign to stop surrogacy yeah. of, you know, hum, yeah. human living women. Um, so, yes, I think they would be equally mortified that this is just another, you know, undignified you know, use of the woman's body. It's exploitative, it's commodification, uh, using women's bodies instrumentally, pro- I mean, profiting off of a dying woman's body, I mean, because there's a lot of money here that's going to be made in the, in the gestation and the surrogacy you know, people pay <laughs> yeah. surrogates to have babies, so there's a financial element. So there's this much for many, many people, whether they be religious or liberal or conservative or what, to just think that this is this is just uh, um, dehumanizing. Yeah, yeah, it's not it, proper medicine. T- turns her, it turns her really into nothing more than a fetal container. Um, and. Yeah, and that's exactly what the author, that's the exact words. And, you know, basically the, the author says, well, we don't really need to be concerned about this woman. She has no life. Her only life is to gestate a baby. She's <sighs> a fetal container. Wow. wow. It's grueling. That's, that's, wow. And it's, it's, it almost surprises me more because it's a woman who's putting <laughs> forward this proposal. Yeah, yeah, right. Did, <laughs> I, like, has has anybody run with it? I mean, is this something that you see? I realize once you start talking about it, it may be a while before people, uh, you know, get used to the idea. But I'm just curious: has there been any positive response to her uh, article? Not that I've seen. I mean, okay. of course, I'm not you know monitoring it 24 seven. But sure. you know, from from my social media and all the posts and the response from. When it ran in first things, it's just been people who were just, you know, you know, repulsed by this proposal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, this, uh, this is so this is going on. This is a one way uh, we're thinking of of uh, surrogacy, applying surrogacy to uh, brain dead. Where is the debate now over surrogate uh, motherhood? Uh, just in the, in the culture as a whole, what, what's what's the debate about? Well, I can speak specifically to the United States context, um, context, and that is that you know the debate is overwhelmingly um, tilted towards you know pro surrogacy. Yeah. You know, we ought to be able to help um, you know infertile couples. We ought to be able to help you know same sex male couples have children um you know we have lots of celebrities that you know between conservative celebrities like Dave Rubin and his husband who had children through surrogacy to hollywood celebrities like the kardashians um you know mm-hmm. overwhelmingly people think if a woman wants to do this with her body she wants to help somebody um you know what's wrong with that uh you know yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's overwhelmingly seen as a positive and a, and a good, wonderful thing that this angelic woman is doing, giving the gift of life. Yeah, it, it, this is so many of our discussions in America kind of end before they begin. Uh, they end with the statement, well, it's her right, you know, she, she wants to do that with her body. That's fine. And that that's supposed to end it. <laughs> Curtain comes yeah. down. The discussion is over. Yeah, well, and I always tell people, try to start your thinking at the beginning, not in the middle, not at the end. You know, just start to think at the beginning. Is this, is this what the body is for? 
Yeah. Is this what we want women to do with their bodies? Is this is what we want little girls to grow up and see their mommies doing and think, well, this is how we form families and help build families. Um, you know, my own, you know, published research with my colleagues shows that surrogate pregnancies are high risk, much higher risk than a natural pregnancy. Um, you know, babies, again, they bond with their, their mom in utero. Yeah. When I was a pediatric nurse, I always to tell people and parents, one thing a newborn baby knows when they're born, they don't have to be taught it. They know their mother. Yes. You know, they know her smell, they know her huh. voice, they know the rhythms of her body. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's that bond that shouldn't be broken. We talk about maternal child bonding, and then we break that bond and we think that there's no harm done. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, how do people stay in touch with the work that you're doing? Well, I'm very active on Twitter, um, at Jennifer Lull, and we have a, you know, huge YouTube channel so people can see our movies for free. We've made quite a few movies on surrogacy, and it's the CBC Network as our, our YouTube channel. So I invite people to follow me on Twitter or watch our movies. Very good. Well, wonderful talking with you, and I hope we can talk again in the near future. Thank you. Jennifer Lull, again, cbc-network.org, and the... Uh, her movies are available there. You can follow this discussion. You know, it's one of surrogacy, surrogate mothering, surrogate parenthood. It's one of those things that every, it pops up as a you know, flashpoint now and then, and then it disappears for decades. Come celebrate the Feast of St. Joseph during the 150th anniversary of Detroit St. Joseph Shrine. On Sunday, March 19th, a conference with Cardinal Burke on St. Joseph will be held at St. John's Resort in Plymouth. And on Monday, March 20th, there will be a day of prayer at the Shrine, including a pontifical mass, outdoor procession, dinner, and more. For the full schedule and to buy conference and dinner tickets, visit stjosephshrined.org. That's stjosephshrined.org. Are you woke or are you awake? Renewal Ministries and Ave Maria Radio invite you to spend an evening with Noelle Maring for her presentation, Awake, Not Woke. Noel will look at the pseudo-religious as well as the political character of the woke movement. It's Tuesday, March 7th from 7 to 9.30 p.m. at Father Gabriel Richard High School in Ann Arbor. You can register for free in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. Again, that's at AveMariaRadio.net. There was a time during middle school when I felt isolated. One mean girl in particular targeted me and recruited other girls to do the same. It eventually resulted in me hanging out by myself most of the time. The reality is that every kid needs a buddy, but that's not always the case. A group of girls at St. Fabian Catholic School saw the need to promote friendships by teaching that the only way to have a friend is to be one. That inspired the purchase of the Buddy Bench. It's a simple idea to eliminate loneliness and foster friendship on the playground. It's all about spreading the message of inclusion and kindness. If a child is sitting alone, it was a signal to the other kids to ask him or her to play. No child should ever feel unwanted. The Buddy Bench is not only teaching children how to be a buddy, but how to have compassion for another person. It's communicating basic Christian values. Who knows, perhaps one day, sitting on that bench will be your kid's best friend. This has been a Christ Center Communication Message. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo, a communications evangelist. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta, thanking you for joining me this first hour. And, you know, it is, it is amazing, 
ideas get proposed and first glance you get shocked by them but by increased um, exposure to them they become mm, normal I hope we don't see that happening with this idea of uh, whole body gestational donation I'm Al Cresta we got a lot coming up next hour stay with me